Welcome to IG Talk with Robert Smallwood. This podcast features interviews with information governance leaders around the world, discussions about IG news, events, and best practices. Today's episode features Robert's interview with an innovator of the field of infonomics and renowned author of the book, Infonomics, Doug Leaney. And now, here's Robert and Doug. Hey, today our special guest is Doug Laney, who is Innovation Fellow at West Monroe, which is a digital consultancy based out of Chicago. And he's also a professor of infonomics at the University of Illinois Business School, uh, which was his alma mater, which is kind of a dream of most collegians, I think. <laughs> Doug, welcome to the program. Thanks, Robert. Yeah, I like to nice to give back a little bit, isn't it? Yeah, it's fun. I, I actually went back to my little University of Northern Iowa and taught a class on information mm-hmm. governance last November. And uh, I don't know, the campus, it just seemed smaller than when I was there last time. <laughs> yeah, they always do, right? You know? Yeah. And, you're not uh, past the class. Yeah. and for some reason, I just sort of expected to run into some of the same people, but, you know, uh, that were there 40 years ago, but they weren't. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. a whole different, whole different uh, scene. So, Doug, you've got a new book coming out. Let's Let's talk about that. It's called Data Juice, which I Data love Juice. the title. And, and what, what's the subtitle and what, what's the gist of it? So the uh, the, the subtitle is uh, how 100, 101 Ways Organizations Are Squeezing Value From Their Data Assets. Mm-hmm. And uh, so years ago, I started compiling these use cases back while I was an analyst at Gartner. And the, the clients uh, were asking, you know, what is big data? And then the, the, the questions evolved to, what do we do with all this big data or how do we manage this big data? And then what do we do with all this big data to, to you know, recoup the costs of, of managing and collecting it? And so I started compiling examples of what organizations were doing. Um, and uh, a dozen examples turned into 50, turned into over 500, 600, you know, stories right now. And um, I've been kind of pressured for a while by, by colleagues and, and clients to, to publish them. So I picked 100, 101 of my my um, I think the most kind of inspirational ones and um, wrote them up. And then I decided it's not enough just to share the stories, but also to provide a little bit of analysis or commentary on each story. Mm-hmm. So I enlisted a hundred uh, friends in the industry, expert industry experts and consultants and thought leaders and chief data officers, each to comment on the story. I think the commentaries are as uh, are as instructive as the stories themselves. Yeah. You know, the, the, it's more of a reference book than a book that you probably would sit down and read. Um, mm-hmm. The the stories are all tagged by you know industry and geography and uh, type of value proposition. Um, and and um, yeah, I think it just it, the book is meant to be a, a kind of inspire business people or or technology leaders to do more with their data or, or, or shame them <laughs> to doing more. Well, I mean, it sounds like a demonstrative guide. I mean, you, you've got yeah. these case studies and that's the uh, best teaching tool, I think, when you can see, hey, how did they apply this in real life? Some of the stories are really interesting where a company applied a model or algorithm from another industry into their, their industry. Huh. Know, clients have always asked me, you know, what are others in our industry doing? And my, you know, my flippant response is, you know, what, why do you want to be in second place? You know, or <laughs> yeah. Why not take an idea from another industry and be the first one in your in your market to uh, adopt or adapt that that idea? Yeah. So I'm excited. It should be out in uh, sometime, hopefully in April. Yeah, it's a, a lot of work to put together a book. So congratulations getting that out. I'm just wondering, 
you know, uh, since we last visited on the podcast, I'm wondering, are there some things that you see some trends or some changes in data monetization in the last two or three years? Have there been any movement or, or change? Well, I would say it's certainly becoming more mainstream and, and you know, data monetization is, is kind of a broad topic. Some people just think about it as trading data for, for money, but I think the industry is starting to recognize that you know, it's more about generating new uh, innovative uh, value streams from data, whatever that means internally or by sharing data externally in return for goods and services or favorable commercial terms or improved relationships. Um, but, you know, my contention is that it, it, uh, the, you know, you can call it data monetization if you're actually measuring the benefits you get from sharing or exposing the data or packaging it in whatever way. But but still some companies don't, you know, they're kind of reticent to talk about monetizing data. So sometimes we refer to it as information innovation or use case development or um, developing new value streams from data. How about just data, how about data optimization? Um, yeah, well, optimization, I would think, is more about optimizing the way you're managing data, but but um, it's more about utilize, you know, how organizations are utilizing data. Um, so what's new? Uh, so it's becoming a little bit more mainstream. Uh, organizations are open to the idea of sharing data externally. Uh, still very concerned about security and, and privacy-related concerns. Um, but, you know, in particular, a lot of companies don't want to share their customer data externally because of privacy uh, regulations like the GDPR or uh, CCPA, um, but but there are some innovative ways to kind of you know like get around that. Like I can't share my data with you, but I can share information about your products and services with my customers without ever exposing who they are. So we I refer to that as inverted data monetization. And so there are clever ways to monetize your data to package it or kind of reverse the the script a little bit and. Um, I think companies are starting to be more open to being um, to being innovative and clever uh, about this. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned privacy, and I just read a post that uh, Odia Kagan uh, put up on LinkedIn about um, anonymization and uh, how it relates to GDPR, and um, yeah. and 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 it gets really kind of into the weeds there. There's a lot of uh, serious issues. Um, it, she was even talking about where. Um, if, if you have anonymized the data, but to protect from someone else uh, re-entering for you know fraudulent reasons, then you can keep the data. There's there's you know there's some there's some yeah. uh, nuance and there's some exceptions there. A lot of concerns about uh, what's called matrixing, being able to re-identify data after you've de-identified it, right? Bringing in additional data sources, so that's that's very very common. <clears throat> and then. Um, you know, interesting solution that's referred to as pseudonymization. I'm sure you've, mm -hmm. you've heard about that. And that's a way of uh, anonymizing data in a way that retains its uh, its relationships. So- um, And that's synthetic data, essentially the same? Uh, yeah, it's one way of creating synthetic data, yes. Yeah, so it, it maintains its integrity in terms of the data set, but it's slightly altered data. Yeah, and, and statistical anomalies and all of that, yeah. Yeah, and, they, and so in that case, you can't, reverse engineer back to it can you, you can't get to that original pii or person no, unless there's a key somewhere right yeah uh-huh huh um hey i heard you're talking you're going to give us talk to the canadian chartered accountants is that right yeah it's the the canadian uh, uh the, the the canadian accounting uh agency i think what, it, what it's called I'm sorry i forget what it's yeah, chartered called. chartered accountants which um yeah the, last, like the, the, the canadian version of the of cpa the icpa right yeah, but they. Uh, what's interesting is they actually created 
the uh, principles of privacy, the, the uh, privacy mm-hmm. principles, which right. are in use today still, and they're very valid and, 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 and useful. You would think it would be like, you know, IEPP or a privacy association, but it was actually the accountants that came up with that. <clears throat> and I guess you're going <clears> to <throat> probably broach the question with them as the, uh, your, your, it's not age old, but it is in, in uh, Doug Laney years, um, which is, uh, hey, guys, when are you going to recognize information as having value on your balance sheet? Yeah, I might poke the bear a little bit on that one. <laughs> I always like to ask accountants, yeah, uh, folks in, in charge uh, of accounting regulations, that question, you know, why isn't data generally um, acceptable to value on, on balance sheets? Yeah, even no. though it meets all the criteria, right? Data is something that is owned and controlled, uh, exchangeable for cash. And uh, what accounts uh, say generates probable future economic benefits. That's the definition of an asset. And yet, the accounting profession globally pretty much has you know not not um, recognized data as an asset. I mean, it would certainly require a lot of um, um, new um, um, issuance of, of uh, you know financial statements. But um, in doing so, it, it would probably um, bolster the, the accounting profession as well, give them more to do. Yeah, bolster the accounting profession and the equity value of yeah. information-based companies. I think yeah. there's a lot of potential equity value there that hasn't been recognized. Yeah. But there are concerns that there's a lack of transparency about what's driving the economy today. You know, we, we, we're we starting to think about and recognize data as the fifth factor of production in addition to land, labor, capital, and entrepreneurship. And um, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to not really quantify it as, a, as an asset. So. Um, irrespective of what you know, accounting antiquated and arcane accounting notions might suggest, there are a number of companies out there that really want to understand the value of their data assets for a variety of reasons, to improve uh, their, their quality of their assets, to um, um, embolden or improve the, the, um, improve the, the kind of the specter of their enterprise data governance organizations or to uh, again, light a fire under business units to do more with their data. You know, if you can understand the return on asset for data, and it's only this big, then you know you might be compelled to try to to try to grow it more. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are at least a dozen different reasons why you know clients of ours are wanting to to value their data. Yeah, some I heard uh, are creating their own. You know, so it's not recognized by the accounting profession yet, but they're creating their own balance sheet. Internal balance Internal supplemental balance sheets, right. And, um, you know, we're working with some companies that are looking to uh, to uh, um, sell to private equity, right? So, or do an M&A and they want to um, enhance their you know, balance sheets by showing the value of the data they collect as well, right? And uh-huh. the possibilities of using that data in new ways, new and innovative, high value ways, if they were to get... Some, some investment. And another thing organizations are doing is they're collateralizing collateralizing their data. So they're using it to take out loans. Huh. Uh, saw the, the airlines, American Airlines and United, for example, uh, took out loans against their customer loyalty data to the tune of 20 to $30 billion, which is interesting because mm-hmm. those valuations for that data were greater than the value of the airlines themselves. That's so crazy. it may just be the case that the value of your company's data is greater than the value of your company I- itself. And uh, what, where do you where do you see things going? And I mean, what what is what is infonomics and data monetization going to look like in ten years? Um, in ten years, I think we'll see the the marketplace is starting to thrive. You know, there are a lot of small um, you know emerging data marketplaces. You know, folks like Dowex and um, and others. Uh, uh, 
some of the names, but uh, where companies can trade their data. And I think that exchanges mm-hmm. for trading data will become much more uh, uh, prominent, if not, you know, if not mainstream. Yeah, I think people aren't really uh, aware of that, that there's this whole whole new segment of business out there with these data exchanges. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the tenets that you uh, uh, like to expound in your in your book is uh, is combining. Sometimes you can get the best information out of combining external data sets yeah. with your own internal data. Yeah, set. and that's where we might start to see these data marketplaces emerge as a platform for multiple organizations, partners to create a, a kind of an extended integrated data ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think there's some large retailers that do that to some degree already. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if we think about data like currency or like, you know, uh, why wouldn't we see something emerge like the banking industry for, for data? I mean, right now companies kind of stuff their own data under their own mattresses, right? Or, or in their own you know, cloud environments, but there's no reason that they couldn't let some organization uh, handle it, invest in it, give access to it, inve- um, um, invest with it, um, and, and pay dividends on it. Um, there's no reason that that couldn't take shape in, in years to come. Is there is there any intersection between uh, digital currencies like Ethereum and Bitcoin and beta monetization? Is there, I mean, is there some kind of a uh, a cross section there where they meet at all? Yeah, not, not really. And if there's one, I haven't really, you really identified it. I mean, I think digital goods mm-hmm. you know, is one way to monetize data. So effectively, yes, that's, you know, NFTs, for example, are, are ways to monetize data or monetize the digital representation of something. So, there, you know, there might be some, and then, you know, and then uh, guarantee that value on, on the blockchain. But um, uh, yeah, that, that's probably about it, it for now. Um, I'm wondering, so since the pandemic, uh, I remember you saying you like the data of going when you go to Orange Theory to, to work out. <laughs> are, are you are you back into that, the uh, Orange Theory workouts? And, uh, and what, kind data, my, what kind of data? What kind of Theory tracker here that I wear to track my okay. uh, your pulse oh, wow. and your calories burned and, and all of that. Yeah. Wow. That sounds fun. That sounds fun. I haven't figured out what they do with all that data, but um <laughs> I should probably call them up and see if I can help them with that. They're selling it to life insurance companies. Yeah, (laughs) maybe. Hey, Doug, I'm wondering, uh, uh, is there a place that you haven't been able to travel to in the last couple of years because of the pandemic that you're looking forward to getting back to? Yeah, we were. I mean, we're just in Canada. Um, I'd love to get back to Mexico for sure. See you down there, absolutely. Yeah. and uh, you know we're planning a, a trip. Uh, our son's graduating. We're planning a family trip um, in in Europe, and so we'll see what things are like uh, for uh, the next few months. One last thing: How, what are the Cubs' hopes this year? Uh, I, they, they hope they're going to get some pitching. Yeah, uh, yeah. If not, if not any pitching, uh, it's not going to be a great year. But at least we'll be able to go back to the games. I live three blocks from Wrigley Field, as you know, and so uh, we can just walk down there and you know scalp tickets if it's a nice day and we've got some time. So uh, just just nothing like being at the old ball at the old ballpark, whether they're winning or losing. Sounds great. We're gonna have to go to a game together when I get to Chicago. Awesome. Look forward to it. Sounds great. Thanks very much for being with us on the program, Doug. And we will see you speaking at as a keynote at InfoGov World 2022, uh, September 29th and 30th. And virtually yeah. on the new platform, whatever that is. I look forward yeah, to it. Yeah, we got a new platform, which is going to be even more engaging and fun. It's gamified. They have all the analytics and, and everything that we need. Yeah. And it's a more stable platform. And I, I think we're going to have a little more fun. Thanks well, very much, Doug. Appreciate thanks, Robert. it. Robert. Take care. See you soon. All See right. You.
Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to IG Talk with Robert Smallwood. We've got even more episodes coming, so stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by InfoGov World Expo, an information governance virtual event hosted by IG World Media on September 29th and 30th. With more than 100 experts speaking on topics of privacy, security, e-discovery, and governance, InfoGov World Expo really is the greatest ID show on earth. To learn more and purchase tickets, visit infogovworldexpo.com and follow hashtag IGW22.